0: Welcome to the Alternative Prescription Podcast, where we use our experiences in healthcare, entrepreneurship, personal development, fitness, and relationships to offer you a unique perspective on how to write your own prescription for a fulfilling life. We hope that this podcast will be entertaining, thought-provoking, educating, inspiring, and fun. Our goal is that our conversations will give you the permission to pursue an alternative path, change your own narrative, and live your life on your own terms. Welcome to the Alternative Prescription Podcast. Fantastic, man. Welcome back, guys. Man, we're in season three. It it's hard to believe, but hey, here we are. I can't believe it. So uh, so th- this season, we're really going to discuss uh, masculinity Absolutely. and relationships. Um, but kind of before we do that, we had one really, really amazing guest from yes. a few months ago. And we just had to, had to, you know, get this out there for, for you guys. Absolutely. We felt like
1: she literally embodies the whole idea of the alternative prescription. like.
0: Yeah. So, so we're, we're definitely bringing this to you guys. It, it took a lot of, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, <laughs> and, and some voodoo on the computer to get the audio just right. Absolutely. But, um, here it is, uh, Dr. Amber Anders. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Alternative Prescription Podcast.
1: Welcome, everybody.
0: Yeah, we're, we're back with another great guest, um, a really unique guest. Uh, here we have Dr. Amber Anders, and she really has a, a non-traditional path. So, so here's someone who went to med school at Yale, but decided that she wasn't going to practice. And uh, yeah. she actually went into consulting after that uh, for a couple of years. And now, now she's actually with, with the Gates Foundation. And what Dr. Lota and I love so much about Amber's story is it's very in line with the goal and the mission of this podcast. You know, here's somebody who was on a path, you know, a few years in decided, man, you know, this actually isn't what I want to do. But she, you know, she had the audacity to change her path and, you know, she didn't apologize. She didn't, um, you know, look for, for, for permission and she just you know, wrote her own prescription for her life. So um, we, we just love her story and we think she really embodies a lot of what we are about here at the Alternative Prescription Podcast. It's not something you, you hear very, very often. So um, with that, yeah, over over to you, Dr. Amber.
2: Sure. Uh, I think you did a nice answer there. I think you <laughs> most of it. But uh, yeah, yeah, I went to med school, decided not to practice. Uh, and to just reiterate your point, I mean, Gosh, when I first was like, OK, what what am I going to do if I don't practice? I remember literally I would have to I found two routes. I would crash recruiting for PhDs is actually how I landed at BCG pro oh. tip because uh, it, it's actually kind of expected that PhDs uh, will go to industry and other places. So like BCG and other um, companies actually do recruiting, but like they don't even bother at the med school. So they're like, yeah, of course, you're going to go to residency. We're not going to you know invest in recruiting there. Uh, so I learned that pathway and then I also tried to plug into whatever um, like career resources that the university had and I actually remember I got turned away because I was like hey whatever like the career center like I don't care I'll take whatever resources and literally the undergrad career center was like uh no like no this resource is not for you and I was like but we don't have a career center at the medical school because like I just assume <laughs> that we're going. So I'm like, well, like, what am I going to do? So I had to sort of forge my own pathway there and um, got plugged in with like the Yale alum um, committee and they would host different events. Uh, and so just had a sort of ad hoc pull a plan together since it was so niche to not go to to residency.
1: That's awesome. Like, I think, um, I think of all I guess I probably do is the most. Because we had a very sort of similar path. Like when you go to medical school, right? This is not something you do like, hey, I want to do this. You need <laughs> programmed from high school, right? To take honors, AP courses, right? You were. a long year. Oh my god. You are programmed from jump. So it's 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 quite unusual to have someone just kind of made a mid-career. Hey, I'm gonna do this. This is not this is Brutal, right? And then to get in is a miracle. Then you get But you gotta survive it. And I tell people, I cannot explain to you what it feels like studying for 10 hours a day. It doesn't seem it doesn't sound real. It sounds crazy. And you don't think it's enough, right? And then you take the boards. I mean, some of us got you get someone gonna get, get the butt kicked. It's just tough biochem path is it's hard and then you survive it and go hmm, I don't want to practice people think you're insane right because what we thought it was gonna be going in is not what it was when you get in there and it's a shocking distressing thing because it's a bad analogy it's like, imagine telling your parents you're gay, right? It's a shocker because they're like, wait, what? I have African parents. Just think of that, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, just, just picture that. going to cut all this crap, right here. So, but just think of that level of shock, right? You have this degree. We're not to get into how much money you owe in loans, you know? <laughs> You're right? Like, when, that's a way well, to
2: do a whole nother
1: podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't want to do all I anybody, like, like. like and, and, and so you, and, and a lot of people right. like, don't get it right away. I didn't get it. medical, I did a post back here. year, did a master's program, and then I worked to the Caribbean for two years and came out to Chicago to sign up for a So a lot of people take these secure routes. You hear so many different stories, but no one ever says, hey man, what are you calling me something different? And um, you're all alone, your friends think you're nuts. You've been working for this thing that's supposed to guarantee you this life. And you're like, what am I going to do? You know what I mean? And it's so. I get it, man. The look she had on my face is the face, the look I had <laughs> here into the matrix and is the abyss. And you're like, what the blast?
0: Yeah. I can go on forever. Yeah. Hop on, please. Yeah. I mean, maybe just take us through that journey of yeah. just like like you're you navigating this kind of a you're blazing your own trail, you're forwarding your own path. Like, like what did that feel like? How did you deal with, you know, just navigating the whole thing?
2: Yeah. I mean, honestly, people always ask, like, oh, how'd you make it through? All these things. and I honestly think like I attribute a lot of my success to just being very like resourceful. So like even at that point when I was like, Okay, I don't want to practice, like what am I like, what can I do? I just got really scrappy about it. And I think that just comes from my own like background. Uh, But yeah, I think it's always important to sort of put my story into context because, um, you know, just as you were saying, like going to med school, is not like a, okay, next year. I think I'm like, no, like this is like eight plus years in the making. Like if you didn't take AP bio senior year, then you like already off track. Right. So like, I I mean, you had to be so calculated, like, I don't know if you remember, but like, I was like, I mean, I literally had like a full like GPA calculator down to like the .01 decimal, like, okay, if I take this with four credits and get an A minus, or if I take this class of three credits and get a B minus, what is that? Like, I was like super calculated uh, to the point of like a bit, like, I was that annoying, like neurotic pre-med, all of those things. Um, So checked, I was just checking all the boxes. Um, And I think it's important to sort of like, you know, frame that with like, I was honestly like, I grew up in Ferguson, like, first gen, parents never went to college. Like, so, you know, I was just like, hey, I'm like a smart kid that likes science, not really sure what I can do with that. But, um, you know, in therapy, because like everyone needs therapy. I was talking to my therapist the other day and I realized that. Because I didn't have those models at home, I actually relied strongly on societal uh, values of like status symbols and like, you know, um, and so, you know, I never had that sort of like, oh, like I have so many like immigrant <laughs> friends who parents are like, oh, if you're not a doctor or lawyer, then like you ain't make my expectation, like my parents are just like, look, well, as long as you graduate high school, and you're like not a teen mom, like your mom, like. That was it. Those are the only expectations for me. So I was like, by the time I got to college, I had exceeded all expectations already. So so I really relied heavily on like, I was like, I don't know. I probably saw some TV shows, Cosby's, whatever. I was like, okay, path to Success is a doctor. And it was very clear how to get there. It's like, okay, you know what you have to do. You can learn, figure out what you have to do in whatever, get the grades. It was clear straight through. It's not like a, you know, very nebulous doing a startup or a business. that's like, you don't even know where to start. Um, so it was all sealed and done, and I tell this story not often because it it depends on the crowd, but some people don't know how to uh what to do with it. but um, the day I left Ferguson, what was this the day I left Ferguson to go to med school actually was the exact day that Michael Brown was murdered um like to the day, and that just I don't know, it just changed something for me. I mean, to start off like um I I had one uncle that was murdered by police and a second that was like paralyzed for life in St. Louis. And I actually, one of my cousins is Michael Brown. So, like, immediately when it happened, you know, I like called my grandma, like, is it our Michael Brown who actually lived in the same apartments? Like, you know, St. Louis is like a big, small town. Um, And so it just, it was just so crazy to literally be driving away in a car, literally while the city, I lived in Ferguson for, you know, other than when I was at Wash U my whole life. So, more than, you know, 20 years. Um, So to like be leaving at that time felt so like, well, like, bye, good luck to y'all. I'm gonna be my ivory tower. And it just like did not sit well with me. And so just my whole entire med school experience was really like tainted actually by that. And so, um, you know, just being around a lot of the things they say about Yale, unfortunately true, but you know, very privileged entitled individuals it just something just was not sitting right. And I knew um I, I knew the first two years, which is like your book years of when you're typically just in classrooms. But really, once I started my like clinicals and was seeing a lot of, you know, patients at the bedside that more resembled the folks that I would see at home in Ferguson, I was just like, no, nah, like I needed to see you 10 years ago. It's like too late now. And so that really just I was like, a lot of the problems that I care about, particularly like health disparities, maternal health disparities. I was like, this is not gonna be solved at the bedside. Like this is not enough. Um, And so I just got lucky. I got scrappy about it. I was like, okay, if I'm not gonna practice, like what does this look like? And so my first thought was to actually get an MBA um, and it's fairly easy to add on to the degree. So I reached out, I found, I have, he has to be like some uniform because he's older. He happened to be a, a friend's dad, but a black male who got his MD and MBA at Yale many years ago. So I uh, reached out to him, was like, hey, like, I don't think I want to practice. I don't know what to do. What are your thoughts? And he was like, yeah, you, you know, the MBA could be good. Um, it might just be drinking out of like a fire hose, especially if you don't know what you're going to do. It's just gonna be like a ton of information, but you're not going to have any framework of how you're going to apply it in healthcare. And he was like, you know, have you ever thought about just working? And I was like, working, like, what do you mean? Like in a lab? Like, I don't know. I've been a lifelong student. And he was like, yeah, no, like there are like, you know, have you ever thought about consulting? And I was like, I have no idea what that is. Tell me more. And that's what planted the seed. He had spent time at the Boston Consulting Group (BCG) uh, after he finished his MBA, um, and so I just, as
3: soon as he told me
2: that, I found when they were recruiting, I found their dates. I even went down to New York a few times for recruiting events with them. Um, same thing with like McKenzie, all of all of those folks, and. I just got tunnel vision. I was like, oh, and you'll take taking without an MBA? Bet. I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna expedite this track, forget the MBA. Uh and I always tell people the quote is, you know, you could read about doing the push-ups or you could just go and do the push-ups. So that was how I compared and contrast the MBA versus uh just going right away to work. And unfortunately it all worked out, but uh it definitely wasn't easy. Uh and you know, I always joke. I when people like on the internet they talk about oh my haters, whatever. And I'm like, eh. but like really, there are haters. They exist. Um, and just to for folks that are especially in med school, maybe listening to this, like if you're going to be making these moves, like unless you're at, like a Stanford where they kind of like expect people to take a little more non-traditional routes and it's more um, not so niche, uh, be be quiet about your moves because. I was still just figuring this out. I had one interview, so nothing. And if you know anything about consulting interviews, like <laughs> uh, they're they're not cake block they're case studies and and whatnot. Um, but anyway, so it was like very early interviews, no offers. Someone decided to go tell my dean of the med school about it, which I mean, it's a very narrow list of suspects. There happened to be two other folks that were interviewing at the same time. So it's like, it had to be one of them two that told someone who told someone. Anyways, I get an a, a email from the Dean of the med school being like, Hey, I heard you're not doing residency. I trust you thought long and hard about this. You probably should be coming to my office. And I was like, yeah.
0: I mean, I was going to
2: tell you, but like when the card, you know, I had to make sure my ducks were in a row first. So I had to end up prematurely telling her. And all the headaches that came out of that, um, for better or for worse. But yeah, so gotta make your moves in silence uh, because because it just in my experience it was it was very dichotomous in terms of the people. They were either like you're batshit crazy. What are you doing? You're throwing away like like you you wasted a seat in the med school. and Now you're not going to residency. All these things. Or typically, uh, the other camp, which typically tend to be like older, more seasoned doctors, they're like, Yeah, like you're so courageous. Like, you know, if I could go back and do it all over again, like I even had, I probably should be saying this publicly, but I had one doctor who was so supportive. I could do not, she let me off to go, she let me out uh, early to go do one of my interviews down in New York City with BCG, which ended up when I got the job. So, like, um, you know, like
1: <laughs> so. It's such an amazing story.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, but real, real quick, a, a few things you said. I um, you're re- really impressed overall. Uh, I love that you mentioned you have a therapist. I yeah. Um, I just finished a few sessions with a the therapist a few weeks ago. I've had like four I, or five. Yes. Over my years, and, I uh, I think it's
1: amazing. Like um. You know, so interesting because I was uh I studied psychology in undergrad and if I was to do a residency it would have been in psychiatry. Right. I I am so glad that the, you know, not so so to digress into mental health, but I think that people are more open to it. I am mean, uh, gonna see millennials, but you know, i hey, guess I'm, 40, okay. so I'm <laughs> yesterday so um, I think that to have a a different perspective to just to help you like kind of like a play a mental ping pong is so huge right like I look back now back in 13 when I didn't match and all that stuff and how stressful it was because you feel like a loser mm-hmm. right and it's an unnatural feeling especially if you're this guy and it's like a tough guy and you can do this and you're a tough girl and it's like wait what you know what i mean and i was lucky to have parents you know my dad my brother like they supported me but it's tough and i'm so happy you did that and you did that too like it's oh, huge. yeah you know i no, like great.
2: therapy is Yeah, I definitely quickly, I think I started my, with my therapist. I mean, I had one on and off, even at WashU at the student center. And then, um, definitely had, like, I really, especially when I was studying for step one. Oh, I was like, I I literally remember, like, for the first, like, three, like, sessions, four sessions, I just went in and cried. Like, no words were spoken. It was like, okay, I'm (laughs) tired. Like, (laughs) Like, (laughs) finally, I was like, I don't even know why I'm crying. Nothing even happened today. And it was just like, Oh yeah,
1: I I remember it's important so to bring my memories. One of my friends' father, Doctor. Rose, Doctor. Moscow, great guy. I remember he was to the gym and we'd be just sort hanging out. And so this older guy and we'd just be talking about it like this and like just hanging there. And he taught me transcendental meditation, right? And he explained to me how he helped me with his re- residency back in the eighties or late like seventies. Yeah. I'm like, really? Like it is so stressful. It's like, like, like a fire hose. It's, on, it's on a national test and it will beat the hell out of you. And you still don't feel ready right for it, right? So having someone like support her through that, and for those of you listening, get whatever help you need to get. Like literally do whatever it takes to be able to function and be Optimal
0: capacity because it's just I mean to not do it is yeah. insane. No, it's true. I mean if you don't if you don't get maintenance on your car, I mean, is, is your car somehow lesser because they have to go to the camera? Look, you know? No. no, no
2: I, and like and look, they don't tell you this on day one, but like suicide is an occupational hazard of no, you know for physicians, no,
0: like no, no, no. it's
1: it, no, it, it, it's real talk. Like um uh, my family friend just told me that a kid you will recommend suicide as a kid. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It, and, and no one talks about this. Like, the stresses people face making these major life-altering decisions and going through this challenges and, and this horrific thing, I don't know how it was in your time. In your, <laughs> in your time, right, was like the, the typical medical, we're trained to compete with each other right? I don't look at her as an ally. I look at her as that's my spot. And it's so unfortunate because even like my brother's in medicine, right? And he called me every day. He cannot wait to get out. Like it's insane. Like a lot of my friends are like, this is crazy. You know what I mean? And they're like, dude, how do you do business? And they're like, like, put me on. And I'm like, wait, hold up. me? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> this is it's, crazy, sorry, it's crazy, right? But it's uh, one of those things that um I look back and I just shake my head, but I think getting help, um it's a life changer, man. Right? It's a lifesaver. And and, and trust me, it served right, really good, to get through it.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And I, I think you made another great point about kinda keeping your moves under wraps, you know, yeah. not telling yeah you got
3: to move. <laughs> you got to
2: no, move we're in, we're in silence. silence. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. No, <laughs> yeah. like it's real, though. It's real. I mean, you can have a few, like, trusted confidants, but outside of that, it's just, it's such a non-traditional thing to do. Like, a lot of people aren't going to understand, and sometimes they're even meaning well, like, but they just can't wrap their head it's around cool. it, and so they might,
1: yeah. And that's, and what, one of the things I, I, like, my natural reaction to that is belligerent, like you know, you know. But you have to understand they're limited in how they see things,
3: right?
2: Oh you know? uh, yeah.
1: And, and, and you have to almost have compassion for them. Like I already lose the idea of like having compassion. because they don't see what you see. Mm-hmm. These are the same people ten years from now will call you up and say. Oh, I knew you'd always make it, man. Like you know what I mean. And <laughs> and you just the only thing you can do is just smile and say thank you, right? Because. You know, you know, they, people are not comfortable with process. People are more comfortable mm-hmm. when the, the, the cake is baked, mm-hmm. right? It's done. It looks pretty. And it's like. the Nitty gritty. The, they don't want to yeah. hear the nightmares. They don't want to hear mm-hmm. the challenges. And I think what I love about this podcast is that you want to give a true accounting of what it is like to do what you do. You know, to become this, you know, how did she get here? Like. And if you're in your life and you're doing a job that you don't like, or you're just so scared, I think the biggest I always ask this question to all our guests: How do you manage your fears? Like, what does that mean? Like,
0: how do you how do you get through it? Yeah, yeah. But real quick, before you talk on that, yeah, um, I heard this really good quote. I um, forgot where I saw, it, but it said, "Don't." Tell people your plan. Show them your results. Yes, and <laughs> I always kind of like like that idea yeah. because you know, I mean, they might not see what you see. Like, let Let's okay, it. you know, finish it, do it, and then put it out there. You know? Yeah, I, I, it's,
1: it's 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 counterintuitive because you want you the support, it, right? Support. Yeah, you. look at what I'm doing. You know, come cheer me on. Yeah. It's like no, Everyone's not like, everyone sees the world the way you do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, important have a very, like Bodo has this idea of your board, right? Everyone should have a little
2: board. Yeah.
1: Right board is right that. You know, people yep. you trust, I mean, corporations have boards, Yeah. you know, and you run through your decisions, decision, decision. intimate, and that, that could be not just professional, but your personal life. And they help guide you. And it's important yeah. to have that of Absolutely. And I
3: think
2: that's incredibly, I mean, I don't want to, you know, make all minorities a monolith, but that's something that I I think I learned probably early on at WashU. Like, I stayed in Dr. Field's office, Dean Downey's office. Like, they were sick of me by the time I graduated. Like, and I made them my board. I was like, okay, I want to do this. I want to do this. Like, um, And so I think that's incredibly important, especially if you don't necessarily come from a family or background where you sort of have um, those sort of exposures. And I think that in medicine, it was a little bit easier to do because the resources are there. Um, And so this is more on the business side of things. I find it a little bit harder to sort of um, find the folks that have, you know, when you're going through salary negotiations and you're talking about equity packages, I'm like, my parents are like, I don't have like, you know, the parents that would even know the first thing about this, you know. Um, and so I think that it's been a little bit more challenging in the business side, but it it's just come, you know, just reinforces the point. It's so important to have folks that, um, you know, have your best intentions in mind, but also can serve as sort of, um, a resource for these, you know, big life questions, be it, are you going to forego residency or, you know, I'm not even going to lie. I thought about going back to residency. And so, you know, like you always have to have folks like, you know, or even transitioning from, you know, BCG to the Gates Foundation, like you, there's always going to be these big life decisions and you kind of need a board of folks that can, sort of be, you know, your advisors, a board of advisors um, and all of those stuff.
1: It's so, like, it's so critical. Like, these aren't things that you, that I was a little bully the other day you know, man, if I had a kid, what I would tell this kid growing up, like the importance of social skills, right? The importance of asking for help, right? Getting a mentor, right? Getting someone uh-huh. who has been up the hill and said, hey, listen, I might not know exactly what you're doing, but this is how you should think about it. Like, how do you think through stuff? No one ever tells you that. This It is similar weird. Even in medical school, honestly, how do you learn? Like, no one ever talks about that. Like, you're supposed to just, and I, I was like, wait a minute. Figure it out. Yeah, and I'm thinking, wait. This is too much money to be pump faking. Like we need to know how this is gonna work, right? Like you know what I mean? And I'm studying the way I did in grade school. I'm cramming writing notes. I'm like, this is not working, man. You understand? Pretty so pretty like
2: edit. No. One and can- you also Yeah, sorry, not to cut you off, but you also I think the longer I've been away from medicine and just in light of a lot of things happening now, I'm able to like retrospectively look and honestly, like a lot of like, medical education is hella racist like not even just in the content that's a whole nother be a whole nother podcast but also just in the sort of um both in the classroom setting or like we were big into like the you know what do they call it case-based team learning but it's like yeah it's simply like the white guy in the room that's speaking up you know what I mean it's like you know yeah like you know they've gone to the Exeter's and Choate's of the world and they've been groomed to you know have we call it in the business world executive presence. I don't know what you call it in that space, but just have that sort of presence and convey that, and honestly half the time they not even have more than half the time they should they be seeing completely wrong. But they just speak it with that air of like white yeah. man confidence. And then you're like, but then you're looking like, nah that ain't it. But like <laughs> <you know. laughs> So, you know, I was really a, a, I was a shell of myself in med school. Like, I was just kind of a zombie ghost like, mm-hmm. did the bare minimal to get through and um, and honestly it wasn't, it was not it was not easy being a minority at Yale. Like, you found your small group of folks to just get through but it, it wasn't made for us and still ain't made for us. No,
1: and right. so because a lot of these communities um, it's because how do we do things and are not really thinking about it. I mean, I, like, yeah. you, you, you really are not your target audience. No, you're not a part of the company. You know what i mean?
3: And
1: again, mm. you don't mean don't it that way, but that's just experience. Yeah. I mean, that's just the culture of it. That's think that's what's what, the what culture Yeah. you know what I mean? And, they, and uh, minorities, you kind of want to pick a right You don't want to be the guy complaining. Yeah. And a lot yeah. Of of any other brother <laughs> coming up in here, right? I just say you just kind of. Meal your way through it, <laughs> your teeth, you know, popping Xanax in the bathroom and protest, right? I mean it's legally a, prescribed, uh, so. No, but it's um and it's it's fascinating. And again, we don't want to discourage people who want to go into the sciences. You right? know, like more the things that like I don't practice medicine, but I still love science. Right?
3: Yeah. Fascinates
1: me, right? I still um just from a, I guess an ego mental point of view that I was able to conquer something that seems so excuse <coughs> impossible, I think that helped. But also the skills you learn going through that, you can apply it to what you do. You know what I mean? Okay. And and um no education is a waste, you know what I mean? Like when I see what I do now in real estate or this you know, company, I mean, I approach it like you do, like a case study. You know what I mean? It's dealing with a patient. You're encouraging, and you almost try to coerce them to do, <laughs> to do it. And I'm like, damn, it's just familiar, right? But it's <laughs> it's so cool, and it's awesome seeing um, what you've been able to do. I think that's fantastic. I really do. I'm very impressed by it.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. I've heard a, a quote I've repeated a few times. It's never a waste of time to pursue anything you're drawn to. Yeah. So just this idea that whatever, wherever you'll end up, like what you'll use is is the things you've learned along your yeah. way. It might not be in the way that you learned it, but like it, it's all it's all a bigger part of the, the puzzle. But you yeah. don't always see how the pieces fit together. Yeah, you know, except just in hindsight.
3: Yeah, know okay. that
2: that's for sure. I think um, you know something that I mean, even in present day, that I struggle with is this sort of um, like I even remember in yeah, I was an undergrad. My good friend Kayla, um, she ended up doing her PhD at Harvard and is now at like IBM. But like this was like way before even like I think this is even before Instagram. Yeah, and we were like oh, we want to like create this like online network for like minorities in STEM and like we and we were spending the summer at Yale together doing research and then we like got some interviews with some folks down in New York. So we were like, oh, we're hopping on the train. We're going to like set this up. And like, we just had all these great moves. And then we got there and it was, you know, some some professor, like Latinx guy. who was like, yeah, this is great that you all want to do this. But like, you know, kind of he went the whole, like put your life jacket on first or your life mask on first. And like, y'all just need to like get into grad school and med school first and, you know, make careers and, you know, build your scientific career before you try to do any of this. And like, so basically it was just like, you know, like establish yourself first before you try to like save anyone else. And I, I don't think he was completely wrong on that, but I think it's always just such a balance of, you know, how much you try to, you know, save yourself first and then help others later versus like, what can I do now in the present? And I think for me, like my North star is always towards maternal health and mortality uh, here in the U.S. for Black mothers, like that is like what my North star is. And I think that um, I'm always trying to work towards that, but it looks different. like right now, like my biggest debate on my table is like, you know what, should I just like act like my goal actually is to like retire, by I'm 40, but aiming for 35. Um, and I literally mm-hmm. just want to be like this sort of hippie, like doula, like all these things, just like save all the black moms and babies, like create a wellness village, like all of that. So I'm like, honestly, like I could just go work at one of these pharmas out here in the Bay Area, make, you know, make my funds pay off these loans real quick and be out and then be able to like help all the people that I want to in a way that's not restricted. Or do you convince yourself that you're like going to be at one of these good, do good places, be it in medicine or, you know, in, you know, nonprofit, like I'm at the Gates Foundation, but then you're super like restricted to like what their vision is. And honestly, you know, black mamas and babies aren't necessarily part of that vision, at least hasn't been. So then it's like,
3: are you sort of fooling yourself?
2: So I think it's always a fine line between, um, you know, I have a friend, one of my closest friends, uh, I mean, he, he, we got through med school together. But, you know, we always have this talk of like, say you're practicing as a physician, let's say you're in dermatology, should you spend, you know, half your time doing all the, you know, catch all Botox, whatever to like make a bunch of coins. So then the other half of your time, you can have like a free clinic for people of color, because like dermatology is probably the most racist specialty out there, right? Um, And then have a free clinic for black people, right? Or do you just you know, not sell out at all and, you know, be based in, you know, a low income area, serve only the minorities and just make a buy and make, you know, making ends meet on your end. So it's always like a tough balance. And I think that's something that will always be a balance that I tr- like struggle with throughout life of like, you know what I mean? Like, do you kind of like, you know, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, yeah. go the traditional route. So then you actually have the money or the bandwidth or the resources to actually make the impact you want, or do you kind of try to bootstrap grassroots it from the ground? But then I see so many minority folks that are doing that, be it a nonprofit or in medicine and they're struggling. Like, and then it's like, they're actually not able to help people as much as they want because they don't have the resources, the funds, the, you know, even the insight, the networks, you know, so it's kind of a hard, it's a hard thing.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it is a tough balance. Um, I guess um, the answer that I've seen potentially, and this isn't like a, like a simple thing either, um, would be a little bit of both and kind of blending into entrepreneurship. So kind of, you know, I guess climbing that ladder, getting the skills and network, um, you know, all that sort of thing while kind of learning those skills you can eventually utilize, yeah. you know, when you kind of spin off your own thing. But yeah. I guess also when like building enough, you um, I guess capital, or you know, um, that sort of a thing. So yeah, I, so to pick it back, like
1: I, I don't believe there's a right or wrong way, right? Like oh. there really isn't, I and mean, you can, you know, I've always said that at this point in my life, this point in my life, your, your thing, your decisions, are no longer about right or wrong; it's about what's your philosophy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and so. It just depends on what do you feel comfortable doing, and forgiving yourself, however, whatever way you you land, right? Because ultimately, your heart is in the right place. You want to help people, right? At the same time, you got some loans, you got a mortgage, you got mm-hmm. a kid, you got a wife, you got a husband, right? So these are not easy. Questions and no one should ever make you feel like oh, you did that wrong. No, yeah. no, 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 no. It's all up to you and it it's all up to your decision making. And whatever you choose to do, it's okay. You know?
0: Yeah. 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 just have faith and confidence in that. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing at the Gates Foundation? Yes. Maybe um, what do you like? uh Maybe some goals you have, or, you know, what, tell us more about.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I think just as a bridge. So left med school, went to BCG, which was basically what I call like a working MBA for two years, and really learned there like all the things they don't teach you. So medicine, they teach you about all the art of healing and medicine. Uh being at BCG and like an MBA, you actually learn like the economics of healthcare and healthcare is a business. Um and so really enjoyed that. But um Subsequently, because women's health is so neglected, um, I rarely got to do any uh, client cases or projects related to women's health uh, specifically. And so I was really missing that piece of like if I had stayed in medicine, I was going to do OB-GYN or even like family medicine with like an OB sort of lean um. And so I was really missing that aspect, but I knew I didn't, I wanted somewhere where I could actually take that skill set from BCG about being able to think strategically and, you know, build, you know, using frameworks and, you know, have a large scale impact. And so um, eventually landed on the Gates Foundation, where now I work primarily in maternal and fetal health. Um, And my team is focused um, in the upstream space. So uh, drug discovery and device development. Um, And so that is really interesting um, space because it actually pulls on it allows for some learning because I've never particularly had like a global health leaning. I've always been more U.S. focused, but I do have an anthropology background. Um, so it does tie into that a bit. But it's definitely like a sort of thinking about like, OK, how are you going to do ultrasound in Uganda and use it to help sort of risk stratify like, OK, You know, if you have limited hospital beds, how do you actually make sure the pregnant women that need the bed the most get it? And how can you use technology and AI and ML to better, um, you know, allocate scarce resources and things like that? So that's the type of stuff I spend most of my day working on in addition to, uh, I also work quite a bit on our COVID work.
1: That's amazing stuff, man. Like, and I think what I want people to hear with her story is this, If you had spoken to her third, fourth year of medical school, right. And you painted this fantastic, extraordinary picture. She might tell you to pass the blunt. I mean, it it, it (laughs) just doesn't feel because you can't imagine it.
2: No, I did not imagine
1: it. And that's hard for folks to like conceptualize, right? Like the possibilities are limitless, right? Like. That is the part about all of this that I think the whole idea of the alternative prescription is: we have been sort of trained in a dogmatic way. Do this, do this, this comes. Do this, do this. But there's almost no imagination. There's no for creativity. And medicine has a way of squeezing the life. It's just horrific. The, the process. It's very quite militaristic. You know what I mean? And it's it's yeah. it's, it's it's a very it, it's it's just the process of medicine, the process of medicine and medicine are very different, right? Like I think someone told me years ago, I love medicine, I hate healthcare. <laughs> 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 it's, it's not horrible, right? But um but the, the point I'm trying to make so lose track is just see where she is now. And just I can't even fathom you in five years from now.
2: Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. I'm going to be retired. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure. this is what I'm trying to say, right? Like that is the wonderment of taking a chance on yourself. Mm-hmm. That is the that that is where you know I have friends calling me now asking me, "Yo, low something." I'm thinking, damn, me. Hmm. But the point is. They reach a point where there really is no more room to, because you just do your work and that's it, and you get the money. It's going handcuff, but it's like you want more, but you don't even know how to go get it, right? Yeah, these are battles. She's like, come on. i
2: mean, your friend. Yeah, I just want to come back to the sort of imagination piece, and I think that's one particular area like it's so great that you guys have this podcast and actually you know something i've been working on myself uh, is something i have started up a position in career advising which is basically like i've called careers beyond the bedside because i think that mm. um by doing you know even putting that out like just even saying careers beyond the bedside sounds taboo and i think that our profession does such a poor job of actually allowing us to engage with folks that have done different so like honestly the team I work with at the foundation probably is 70 to 80 percent we're all physicians and people have left at different times like the person I work closely most closely with she did maternal fetal medicine for almost 15 years and had a lab like so everyone has exited the pathway at different points in time it's all okay and so I think that you know, you're so focused, laser focused on getting through med school and residency that they really leave no time for imagination and no, and there's no acceptance for exiting the pathway, I mean, ever, really, but especially early on. and um, and so I think that that deserves more. you know, like there's like I myself and like are so, so many different ways that you can actually be a physician in this world without practicing at the bedside. Um, that people just you know like i know so many folks are like yeah with everything going on in the u.s they're like i don't really want to be in the u.s like great like one of the companies I work or you know there's companies that do like med tech devices and they're like yeah we want to launch in singapore we need some medical science liaisons who are basically like you're smart enough to understand the science can you go talk to physicians and hospital systems and sell our product? that's a job that exists like go live in Singapore or wherever you know what I mean and so it's just like they don't tell you none of that stuff in med school and so I just feel like everyone is having to reinvent the wheel for themselves which is not true in other professions right like um and so I just think that sort of monolith of everyone that goes to medicine should um you know practice traditional medicine at the bedside is is outdated no. and I think so, and and before i get roasted on whatever that is student doctor network all those things, those, those things i don't think it's fair to say like oh you took up a seat like the reason there's a physician shortage in the u.s has a lot more due to politics and not opening more residency. And, and, and people yeah. and the the practice and you know of you know uh physician groups actually limiting the supply themselves so don't come at me for like taking up a seat and like to be honest like yale's mission team is like we are educating physician leaders of the world and that looks you can be a vivek murphy or a dr fauci like it doesn't have to be at the bedside so i really challenge folks to um not completely subscribe to that just because that's what you have been told and that's especially to like med school students who are like i'm that's how I i was like i'm already too far along to quit i'm not just like in pre med where i could just switch it up real quick um but you can you can really exit the path, you know, in the pipeline at any time, be it an undergrad, you're pre-med and you want to do something else. I have tons of friends who went into healthcare policy or other healthcare adjacent work. You can do it in med school after, you can do it during residency. One of the people I started BCG with, he did seven years of gen surge at Harvard and we started at BCG together. So like, don't, let anyone, you, don't yeah. let anyone tell you, don't let anyone tell you. I'm one that,
0: that <laughs> doesn't believe in the subcontractors. <laughs> 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 What
1: she said about our community is so true. Like for people to say that stupid spot like it's it's so frustrating because like I was one of those guys in medical school, like even in pre-med, most of my friends were in pre-med. Most of my friends were out of pre-med. It was just and, and it's so strange because I was always in like an outside. like, this is some weird stuff. Like we, we don't look at it. I'm a social animal. I I, I we all together can do great things. But if I look at you as an enemy or as a co- does it doesn't work that way. And life does not work that way. That's why in medicine today, we're in a mess because HMOs are taking over. Doctors don't have it. So you just, you're just literally being wheeled around. And I, I have, listen, my father is an oncologist and he's 70, 70, 80, and he's still practicing. He will tell you, he, he literally told me, don't do this. This is an African dad who, you know, I live with African parents. Oh, you know, do be a doctor. Yeah, these yeah. guys like, nah, do business. You have an instinct for this, and I'm like, dude, I love you, man. Like, other people don't see things that way. So, for those who say that, um, you're just ill informed, and you're actually behind the, the curve because the new thinking is quite different.
0: Right, people have the right. To change your mind. Yeah, okay. definitely. I mean I, I was a pre med once upon a time. <laughs> um, but, actually,
2: yeah.
0: yeah. no, but I think it's so important to um just just to know that it doesn't really matter, you know, everyone else's opinion of what you're doing, right? Like imagine like just imagine if Amber had, had listened to oh people, God. you know, early on, <laughs> like, Oh you're crazy, what are you doing? or you know, like like just imagine she had like, you know, betrayed herself, you know, and just Kind of kept plugging along, you know. I mean, like she would have been one of those angry. One of those zombies. Yeah, yeah. You know? I
3: would. I would have been a hell angry.
0: <laughs> no, <for> real. <laughs> so, so like just, just like the, the power of just following your own north star, your own like your own soul. Like how, like what, what is true to you? Like what, what's your philosophy? How do you see yourself? Like it doesn't matter what other people. It, it, it takes courage.
1: It does. It takes courage. It takes tenacity. It takes confidence. It takes charisma. It just takes a very gangster attitude, Give my language. You know, you just got to, like, say, you know what, that's what I want to do. And if you don't like it, mm-hmm. move on. Like, it's, it's an attitude you have to have. And and that's the attitude, you know, a lot of, actually, as an, as an entrepreneur, you also need that mindset. Because mm-hmm. you're charting a course that is I mean it's a really road less travel right it's if you find a fellow traveler you're lucky like literally <laughs> no I'm, I'm serious yeah. like like what you try to do like, can you tell us the name of the the bedside careers beyond the yeah bed.
2: careers beyond the bedside
1: yeah Thank you. yeah we're gonna put that on there. We're yeah <laughs> yeah we're gonna put that on there. no because I, I, I the reason I stated it is that it would not me talking here, right? It took one of those buddies who we interviewed, um, Big Bob, oh, like, yeah. to, Career coach. to honestly, because I just went totally different. I just went to like a total different space. But I remember looking back, thinking, "Man, what can I really do with actually medicine?" And I didn't really know what to do. You know, the idea of do I go take a step three and apply the residency and going there like, "Hey guys," you know. And I'm like, this is not me. I don't want to do this, you know? And I just to myself, so the fact like, that's why I was so excited when he I'm like, oh, this is a real person doing this. So like, like literally, <laughs> I I mean, um, with your business, I would love to like hear about it in the future in terms of like how do you guide people to this traditional past? What do you do next? Like. And how do you make that transition softer than yours, right? <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Because you did it, and you use gusto and will and tenacity, and you landed. Most people, right? So you know, and with your business, if you create a business model. Right, that's what you need to do. That's where you go. It's how I'm consulting. That's what I'm doing with Bob. You know what I mean. And I think it's. Yeah, a lot of people like that would love to talk to you. Trust me.
3: Yeah.
2: I mean, Trust honestly, me. that's why I started it. I just got so many folks that were like, oh, like, how do you do this? Where do you start? And I think where I usually always have folks start is actually reexamining why they went into medicine in the first place and not, not the personal statement answer, like the real answer. And I think that always came from like when I sort of had my aha moment. I kid you not. I was sitting in like. I don't know. 5 a.m. surgery rounds, and I literally did this game. I was like, okay, I'm gonna look at every person around the room, be hella judgmental, but be like, why would they be here? Like, what, what is making them get up at 5 a.m. and be here? Because I was like, I, I think it was more so like I was hoping to find a reason why I was there, and I just couldn't find one for myself. But I think there are some like sort of, um, like, there's probably like sort of five sort of prototypes of folks. You know, you have your oh, they have immigrant parents. You have that, you know, like there's all these different types. And so there are some folks that actually are truly meant to practice. And then it becomes more about, okay, how do you actually practice medicine while having to navigate the space of healthcare? Because let me tell you, being on the other side of it, like, you know, like, let's be real, EMRs, they made to make patients' lives better, doctor lives better. That is literally about insurance and billing they have no other purpose. Um, so it's like, you know, like people complain a lot about charting now. So then it becomes more of a, like, how do you triage and sort of manage working as a physician and some of the stressors around that. Um, and then, you know, so that's, you know, it's, so it's easy to kind of use that as like a sort of fork. but if there are some folks was like, Hey, honestly, like, I was just like, you know, you know, talented and gifted kid, you know, they love to use that with the minorities and I was good at science, and someone said I should be a doctor, then it's like, okay, then like, let's re-examine which pieces of that actually resonate with um, what your core sort of values and missions are. And like, and I say that so lightly, I've read like, you know, there's so many books, Make Kai, and all these like, follow your passion, but like, it took me a long time to actually figure out what mine was. It's not just like, I guess some people just, I don't know, just wake up and know it, but like, I didn't really know mine. Like, it was just like, cause mine was always just like, yeah, I'm going to be a doctor. Like I stole like my whole identity was based on that. And so there, I also do sessions around like untangling your like identity from like your profession. And like, even in my time now, like ever since I joined the Gates Foundation, like I've been very cognizant of like, yeah, I happen to work there, but like, honestly, like that's just, that's the gig for right now. But like, I don't tie my identity to it because that's how folks really get like caught up sometimes like oh, yeah. they identify so much with being a physician or identify so much with their employer or their workplace mm-hmm. that those things are not promised and likely will go away, change, whatever. And so if you don't sort of like, I sort of lay myself as like, I'm a women's health strategist, particularly focusing on, you know, black women's health. So that could take me a lot of places that can mean I'm at the Gates foundation. That can mean I'm practicing as a doctor. That can mean I'm, doing doula trainings, like that can look at a lot of things. So it lets me sort of identify myself as what my passion is and not a particular profession or workplace, so. No, that, that,
0: that's critical. You, I can tell you, you have a lot of coaching now, have <laughs> No, that, that's so critical. Identity is such an important piece. Um, and um, I don't want to get too off the rails here, but just as, as, a, as a middle child, right? Um, I don't know. I guess maybe a little bit of a proverbial middle child, uh, you know, different identity, whatever issues, yeah. but, um, but just a few years back, I just remember wrapping with it and just, um, cause I went through the same thing you kind of mentioned, like, oh, you know, you wrap your identity around these things that are so impermanent. They can change. They can, just you know, know. they could just fall, fall apart and then your identity is just wrecked, right? Then you're on depression and like all these, oh. all these different things, you know? So you have to figure out like who you are in terms of like the the core of you, like your your character, like what what is are your drivers, right? Not not just uh, something role based or oh I'm in this situation, so therefore you know like where are you no matter where you are, like who are you? Sorry, no matter where you are, yeah. you know. so yeah. That's such a good question No, no, it's it's so like.
1: You know, it's one of those things you train people to take care of people, but mm-hmm. they are not even really compete people yet, right? Like, and, and I think it takes you know, I know it's kinda of like it's unfortunate that it takes trauma for people to mm-hmm. kind of do that introspection, right? Mm-hmm. It's kinda of like the boxer that gets, you know, the body blowing from your knees and it's, you know, who am I in that moment, you know? Not why you chill chilling, having a drink or a cigar, right? <laughs> life, life has to kind of come at you. <laughs> it's kind of a brutal way for you to do this, but like, it takes so much courage to ask these very hard questions. Like, like I made a joke earlier, you know, I don't want to edit that one, but it's that it's an identity issue. You know, this is who I am, not who I am. You know, it's like, wait, oh my god, like my family members think of me this way. I think of myself this way. Well, I make this much money. I'm like. I mean, you go through these crazy, crazy head games and you know, if you're not fortunate to have a therapist to ask you these fundamental questions to help guide you it is distressing, bro I I, I mean, I'm telling you, man, I went through a lot, and I was very lucky to have a family I had, but even that was tough because you know, you look online and you see your peers and you go oh my god, you know but it's like, wait a minute, but would I be happy with? It? Would I, I mean, is that really me, right? Is it just enough to wear the mask, you know? Who are you? You know? like, it, And it's so wonderful to see someone like you, someone so young, like, go through that, you know? And I mean, the future is so bright. Yeah, so
0: speaking of which, I'd love to hear, you know, I don't know, you don't have to reveal anything, you know, want to. Just, like, what, what do you see for like, the future, the near future, any projects, I you don't know? kind of
2: business yes. Yes. I know she <laughs> be yeah 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 um yeah my biggest thing now especially around the whole like sort of identity piece is like i'm really on this whole like gotta have your multiple streams of income so like nothing can really shake you um so i really would love to get to like uh, away from just being so um attached to a single nine to five but i think sort of doing the kind of work I do, it's actually hard to get away from that. It's like, how can you be like, oh, actually, I'm going to deprioritize getting COVID therapeutics. to like, you know, you know, low and middle income countries or, you know, places. And so, um, but I know that that's important for like the long run in terms of both my own personal sustainability, because we could do a whole nother podcast on like, <laughs> driving to the capitalist machine. Like your body is not a machine. That's like my whole new like vibe of things. Mm. Um, but yeah, and so I think really like having different and multiple streams of revenue be it from advising, and I'm also considering taking um, a position on a board for a startup for a women's health device, um, so just dif- different things like that, um, just really diversifying that income. And so, I think for me, it's I see it more as not like climbing a ladder or trying to have a certain financial status. I see it more as a means to it in where I can actually just do the work that I want to do in the way that I want to do it. Um, and so, um, that, that's what's on the horizon. But, um, you know, a lot of it's been put on hold or had to, um, take a different shape with COVID happening. I was planning on doing doula training this year, which have started some online, but it's just not quite the same. Um, But that's something, and just for those who don't know, doula is basically like a birthing coach that uh, can be with a mother during birth in a non-medical sort of role. But a lot of studies have come out to show that Black women that have doulas during their birth actually have better outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so I really see, especially having the medical background and sort of being able to be that medical translator, that could actually be um, a place for me to Stay close. Actually, you know, get back to the bedside and stay close to it, but in a way that I don't have to resubscribe to the sort of healthcare capitalism. She's
1: writing her own
0: narrative. Right? She's writing her own prescription. It's her yeah. yeah. own story. You, know? you can almost see the pieces falling into you, place. And that's totally cool, right? Like, you don't have to know how to
1: get there. You just have to be inspired life would give you the tools to get there. And I think that's what I learned years ago. Like, as long as it inspires you and you you it touched, to move and inspired. you. Um I took a course with the Lemon Forum and they helped help me help think about things differently. right?
0: as yeah. long as you're
1: inspired by it, you know, and so funny like I had it in the podcast years ago. Boy, it was like, yo, you had a podcast, but you took a lot of it, like yeah, right, <laughs> And I, I stumbled Don't. into Bolu and, you know, when it comes to tech, that's not my lane. So, um, you know,
0: I, uh, I think he mentioned it or something.
1: Yeah, and he was like, Yeah, let's do it. So I'm thinking like, you know, a lot of people, you know, talk, what I call punk faking. Bolo comes in and like this is how we're gonna do it. And I'm like, damn, he and Oh, he was a judge. He gets an app, he going to use this, and next to record, I'm like, oh shoot, it's working. But like, but well, the, the point is it's irrelevant how you get there. What matters is in your inspiration and, and the fact that you know you want to do it your own way. And it's more fun that way. It's more exciting that way. You're, You're more alive, alive. that way. And you're more alive and let me tell you something they envy you for they do they yeah. do trust me they do and when you start to blow up know that that is <laughs> a requirement but they will all look back and say oh I'm to school with her like you know what I'm saying Oh, yeah.
2: well, you didn't even fuck with me when I was at school with you but okay <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know I'm saying? Like, oh
0: yeah, I know her. Like, I don't want to swear <laughs> <laughs> to it, it, It's so cool. Just keep walking around. Yeah. And t- t- tell me where they can find you at, you know, social media. Yeah. that, that sort of thing. Yeah. I
2: mean, I typically most of my uh communications are like via LinkedIn. Like I've been saying I was going to like set up a website and social media for careers beyond on the bedside. but. Honestly, I've been too busy to do it. So I usually just communicate with folks on LinkedIn. It's the easiest way. So just Amber Anders on LinkedIn. Um women's health strategist uh <laughs> is what I have as my sort of uh description there. So I always feel free to um and you know, I I'm always sort of like I know so many people have helped and helped and mentored me along the way. So I'm always sort of um, open to helping folks like ourselves and just mentoring in a way and being on people's, you know, uh, board of advisors and things like that. Um, so always, you know, I encourage people to reach out who are thinking about uh, topics like this. So. Yes. But it's been great chatting with you all both right, and same. always happy to um, answer more questions or Absolutely. anything that would be helpful to you all. No,
1: no, no, no. Thank-